I'm due. Um, it's going to be mostly on Saturday, and there's also going to be a Sunday service uh, as well. So we'll be missing the church uh, that Sunday. Uh, but we are very excited about uh, just learning more about how to glorify God in greater ways in our marriages. $45 registration fee, and there is still hotel rooms left. Uh, definitely want to encourage you that I know from firsthand experience, this weekend especially, that I am better. Way better. Our whole family is way better. Like, way better. I'm amazed how her absence really disrupted everything in our lives. Um, just one little girl just leaving. Just We're just all, the first thing I get up in the morning is Manny's like, where's mom? I'm like, I told you, she went to get it. He goes, oh. I'm like, hopefully this is not how it starts. Then Josh walks in, his neck is crinked. He just wakes up with his neck crinked. He's like, my neck is crinked. I'm like, how am I going to play today? I'm like, what? What's going on? You know, and Noah's still sick. And I'm like, we have, we have four different sporting events today and a birthday party. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. And I even had Brandon with me. You know what I mean? I had Brando. I mean, we can do almost anything together, just him and I, man. We're, we're kind of like, he's... We can do a lot together, but, you know, that was challenging. And I also had to coach two games. So, come on, we made it through. All I know is I was at the, uh, the sled, the Alpine sled thing uh, at Wyndham. It was like 5.30, and I had another hour of sledding. And I said, thank you, Lord, for loving me. Let's do it again, another hour. You know, it's like after one hour of that, just I'm, I'm kind of getting older now where it's like, Okay, we're doing this for the children. Let's remember the children. And seeing Manny's face every time we lit, light up as we went down the slide, yeah. that did it for me every time, just seeing his face. So, uh, but I'm grateful that I have a wife that loves me and helps us. At the same time, I know that, um, you know, our biggest joy, what makes us better, mostly in the greatest way, is our relationship with God. Amen. No matter where we are as far as our relationship status. I know Cody just started dating. Amen. He's fired up. But his, his joy comes from the Lord. Amen? Amen? His joy comes from the Lord. Um, I know some of you secretly were excited about the Pat's loss. Down low. Deep down in your heart. We know there was joy in your heart. <laughs> Somebody... <laughs> He's not hiding it. I walk out with Tim, and there's, there's like a group of people talking, and they're like, they lost. <laughs> they like smiling, and I'm like, you know, it's just a game. It's just a game. Let's just move on. You know what? We've won many times, and I understand. It, everyone's got to lose sometimes, and it's good to lose. You can learn more in failure than you can in victory. Amen? I say that to myself. But the truth is, we have won the victory of our spiritual race, and we've won. And I do think that was a huge point that, that uh, was spoken about. And so today, I just want to intro the book of Philippians. We're going to actually go through it really slow. I'm going to start with a word of prayer. Uh, but we're going to not just go chapter by chapter every week, because I do think there's a lot in here. And uh, I'm just going to start off with a word of prayer before we jump into Philippians. Let's do that. 
Great God in heaven, uh, we are so thankful just for your word, God. Lord, today I teared up just reading Philippians and, and, and going over things. And Father, I just need to learn how to be joyful always, God. Father, I, I, I confess, Lord, that I am not there yet, God. I am not where Paul was, God. I am not where Paul is. God, I, I need to learn, Father. I want to be uh, the greatest student of Philippians and of Paul's, really his heart, God, that, that we all want to have, God, to be able to have joy in all circumstances, God. Lord, it's amazing to see how uh, he was able to have that spirit of joy while being in prison, God. Uh, there were so many pressures on him, God, and yet things weren't going his way, and yet he knew you were in control, God, and he was completely surrendered, God. Lord, help us to get there, Lord. I promise you, although I'm not an expert in joy, Father, I promise you I will be uh, uh, one of the greatest students, Father. God, I know, um, you know, usually the person that speaks should be an expert on something, but I don't feel like I am, Lord. I feel like I'm up and down. My emotions go up and down. I, I do feel like I need this rejoicing uh, theme as much as anyone does, God. Father, I pray to really think differently and have a different heart after this series, God. I pray to be uh, like a young Christian, Father, like a young baby, like a young child, God. And I know Judah's growing so much, but I pray to grow like that, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray that you would help us to grow in our joy at the rate of Judah, Lord. Whoa. That is a prayer right there, God. He is learning so much. His, his brain is learning even right now, Father. And we pray that we can learn, God. That I know that's a supernatural kind of growth. But I know it's obtainable, God. I know if we look intently into your word, God, that gives freedom. Father, you will give us what we pray for, God. Lord, you will give us joy that knows no bounds. You will give us joy despite any circumstances in our life. You will give us joy that remains forever. You will not let anyone take away our joy, Lord. God, we pray for that. We pray even just that it doesn't take us the whole year to figure this out, God. Lord, that we just have a party, God. That even in the first couple months, Lord, we learn this. And then we just party, God, in the Lord. Thank you so much for this time, God. I know all of our, our weeks had ups and downs, victories in our minds, uh, really uh, in, in the world perspective and defeats, God. And yet, Lord, we have a big victory in Jesus. Amen. God, these are the things that can't be taken. Lord, help us to learn the secret, God. Give us the wisdom through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, um, our joy series is called The Secret to Everyday Joy. I like that. Everyday joy, amen? amen. Not just on Sunday, not just when we're had a good quiet time, but every day, and uh, I did bring this uh, whistle here, guys, just for a prop, and we have babies sleeping, so I'm going to be careful, but uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go doot like that, so I can do it, because it it would have more effect if I blew it, but I just remember we have babies, and so what I use in this whistle for, this is my coaching whistle, and obviously I I blow this a lot when, when I coach, but a whistle is supposed to stop you in your tracks and get you to change your behavior, to change the way you think. And the Spirit of God, right, needs to do that in our life. 
The Spirit of God needs to, when we're starting to feel we get the worldly circumstantial joy going on in our life, and when we get the worldly circumstantial discouragement that can sometimes come in our life, we need to use Scripture and the Holy Spirit and prayer to blow the whistle. Blow the whistle on yourself and get refocused. I want us to think about a compass for a second as we begin. And this is something that I want to think about. Who knows how to use a compass? Boy Scouts? Girl Scouts? Traveling people? Go camping? I know we got some campers out here. Um, not, we don't really use, I don't really remember the last time I used a compass. I don't know if you have used a compass lately, but, you know, compass. You know, like GPS, yes. Google Maps, yes. But a compass, you know. And what do you do is with a compass, you... You put it down, and, and somehow it's magical. That thing always knows where north is. And, and there's, some, there's science behind it, right? And there's the magnetic pull, right? Blah, 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 blah. But it's so cool to think about the fact that you can trust that compass. Amen? Amen. And, and you know where due north is. You know where south is. And we need to have a Christ-centered focus that's like our compass. Amen. Essentially, as we travel through life, when we're starting to feel that joy kind of dissipate, we need to go, wait, wait, where am I? Where am I? Where's Christ? All right, there he is. I'm going to focus on that. I'm going to walk towards that. Amen. I'm going to be spiritually focused. I need a compass in my life. Amen. And this is what Paul was so good at. He was good at having that Christ-centered fo- focus, that Christ-centered <laughs> compass that helped him no matter what to get joy out of that circumstance. And today it was convicting to go through the first chapter because then I realized what he's going through more and more is amazing. So we're going to go after the secret of joy. And each of the uh, times we go through uh, every part of Philippians, we're going to speak about another secret and reveal the secret even more. Amen? Um, let's, uh, let's turn to Philippians 1 if we're not there already. And we'll jump right in. So get your compasses out. All right? Get your compasses out. Just a little bit of background of, of Philippi and what happened here. Essentially, uh, Philippi was named after Philip, um, the father of Alexander the Great. Come on. So this guy, he was like, name it, name it after me. My name's Philip. We're going to call this Philippi. He had a little bit of a power-hungry issue going on. But essentially, after the defeat of the Greek Empire, it was... It stayed that way, and it was a colony of Rome, essentially. Um, and it was a center of trade. It was rich with silver and gold and was a, a trade route, essentially. Anytime, a lot of these cities, if you could have a travel, build something you could travel and take goods to and from somewhere, it was usually a very wealthy town. Location, 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 right? And Philippi had an amazing location for this. It was really the center of trade. And any time you have the center of trade, people come to it, people want it, people want to come to it. So this was actually a pretty wealthy city. Uh, but one of the things that was challenging is it had 35 different deities that they worshipped. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Imagine that, that there was 35 different gods. That gets a little confusing, amen? That gets a little confusing. Who are you praying to? Sometimes they'd answer, I don't even know. I was going to pray to all three at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, they had deities, and these deities were not just sort of in the background. 
They believed these were true gods. These had powerful gods, and you pray to different gods for different things. And then when Paul came in and said, listen, this is the true God. This is the only God. A great many people came to the Lord, but there was persecution, of course. This is where Paul, uh, you know, had persecution. This is where Paul was in prison and jail with Silas, remember? And earthquake happened, and the jailer was about to kill himself. And then and he said, don't kill yourself. You know, we're all here. And then that midnight, the Bible says, that he was baptized and his whole family was. Yeah. Lydia. Come on, Lydia. Yeah. She was baptized. A woman of purple clothing. We understand this was why she lived in Philippi. This, she, she, she was a fashion guru, you know, back then. She had fashion, you know. She, she was able to sell these for great prices. And she was a leader in the community and then a leader in the church. Amen. One of the great women, uh, hospitality women in the church. And this is where the, the church began off of the backs of these people. Amen? This is really cool to hear that just uh, Polycarp, a couple hundred years after, he said the secure root of your faith being proclaimed from the ancient times still continues and bears fruit to our Lord Jesus Christ. And so essentially this church remained faithful throughout the ages. It remained faithful throughout the ages, and it was a strong church, which is so encouraging, amen, amen, that even though, like Portland, we can have a lot of deities, amen, here, a lot of gods that are worshipped, a lot of things that are, are focused on. Some people, you know, what are the gods in Portland? It would be an interesting thing to think about, but, you know, I definitely think there are, you know, let's just get, let's get to it, you know, organic farming, let's just keep it real. <laughs> We love it out here, you know what I mean? Organic farming, you know, and nothing wrong with organic farming, but man, that's it. That's what we worship, you know, and, you know, the arts, you know, we have, we have a lot of artists in, in this city. Man, we love the artists. We love that. We love doing that, you know. Obviously, money is always a, 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 a favorite god in every city. Um, and then, you know, we also have just liberal, you know, just living like you want to live. And, you know, whatever lifestyle you live, you know, it's, it's cool. It's, it's kosher. It's okay. People move here to be accepted in their, in their, you know, um, in their sexuality, and and, and th- there's a huge population uh, that is developing that. You know, just on my block, there are, you know, four or five sets of women that are together and have kids, and you know, it, it gets confusing, and it's it's pretty confusing, just like it was there. But yet, when the gospels preached, these people came to faith, and very much it can. This church is going to be established. Amen. After you die, by faith, the things we do, there'll still be a church here. And someone one day will write from ancient times. Maybe it won't be that long ago. You know, it was, it was planted and you were part of it. And it's inspiring to think about that. To think about how our work can do something great. Gives me great joy to think about that. But as we go through this, we also realize there's a lot going on in Paul's life. And Paul was going through a lot of situations. He was under house arrest. He couldn't leave for two years. And when you've got a guy who's planting churches, imagine not getting with a young Christian after you baptize him for two years. Imagine that. You know, we just baptized somebody, and they're like, dude, I can't, I can't do any follow-up studies with you at all. Um, I'm in jail, so good luck. I'll write you a couple of letters. May the Lord be with you, you know? And, and think about hundreds and thousands of Christians all over the Roman world needed Paul, needed Silas, needed these people, and yet Paul was 
His, his work was stopped. You ever get frustrated when you want to do something great and you can't do it? You ever feel like, oh, what in the world? Why are people trying to stop me? Maybe at my workplace or, or maybe even just spiritually. And, and yet Paul was in that situation. There was young churches being attacked by false teachers. That's even worse. So it wasn't just like, hey, I believe in these brothers. They're going to do okay. I believe in these sisters. They're going to be all right. It was false teachers are like, okay, Paul's not around. Let's teach circumcision. Let's teach this. Let's teach that. Let's teach this. Gnosticism started coming into the picture, you know, forms, baby little, little alien forms of that, you know. Um, it was starting to be born, you know, and essentially this was a problem. You know, people were getting, their faith was getting torn apart. And here was Paul chained. And, you know, if you, don't, you know about Paul, he don't like to be chained. He don't like to be staying in one place for too long. He's not a guy who just, he's not a couch potato, let's just say that. And he did not like being there. And so there must have been a level of frustration he felt as he heard about people that were falsely teaching things and people that were stirring up trouble. You know, maybe he found knew about who was stirring up trouble. He was in jail because someone else was preaching Christ, but was preaching it in a way that would stir up trouble for him. That's kind of messed up, huh? You know, a leader in the church or someone he knew decided to do this. You know, people were betraying him. Money was scarce. He was not rolling in the money, obviously. You know, anytime he needed, he would just go and make tents and be able to do that, which is a blessing. But you can't make tents if you're house arrested. And so he was having a hard time with money. Money was scarce and he needed to eat and, and he wasn't providable for. This was hard. This was hard things. He couldn't, he couldn't be really given hospitality because he was only at his own house. So he was feeling that. And lastly and not least, the churches were weakening and was having a hard time for persecution. So if you're Paul, how are you feeling at this moment? These are some of the things he could have thought. Man, I, I gave my life for Christ. I'm trying to do Christ's job. And here's Satan trying to stop me from doing his work. Man, I'm discouraged. What am I supposed to do? When am I going to get out of jail? You know? I did all this. He just came from doing all these crazy things. He went on a, the island of Malta, healed this dude, remember? Got bit by a snake. You know, remember that? He was able to live. And then he went to the Jerusalem church, and <clears throat> people were like, get out of here, man. You know? Shave your head. Okay, I shaved my head. I'll shave my head. I'll do the vow. And boom, he's going from court to court, being forgotten in jail, you know, by Agrippa, by the other guy, Festus, you know, and now be waiting to be on trial. That's annoying, huh? When you're waiting to be on trial, essentially you're chained until this, you know, fat dictator gets time to see you. You're innocent. How are you feeling if you're Paul? If you're thinking the way worldly people think, if you think the way maybe we're naturally, we naturally think, it's not fair. You know, why is this happening to me? If God's with me, why is this happening to me? This gets real, doesn't it? I get text messages every single week. If God, this person goes to church every Sunday, yet he has cancer. How come that happened? I love how they text me, by the way. Like, I'm going to tell them why. Well, let me just get with God and I'll tell the exact reason why. I'll be right back. You never just not answer a text message. You're like, 
And this was someone not from our church, not from our congregation, but someone who really needed help. And so I got to respond to that text message. But it's a loaded text message. You know, it's a hard one to explain. It's kind of like, hey, let me just, let me see you in person, then I'll talk to you about it. Because I don't think a text message can do it justice. Amen? You know, all these things happen and we get these things and we ask why. And these are challenges, aren't they? And yet, how do we keep our joy? But Paul was incredible and we're not going to hit a lot of stuff today necessarily. We're not going to go through a ton of passages. I just want us to get a one thought here down that I think was the secret of Paul's joy. And that was his confidence in God. This was a huge insight that hit me right in the face. You ever see that happen to you when you read the Bible? Boom, you know? It was more like a boom, you know? It wasn't like a punch. It was more like a, come on, man, you know this. How is your confidence with God, in God, doing? That is correlated to your joy. I want, to, I want you to test it now. He loves uh, equations. He loves equations. He, we, we've, he's got some different things he wants to share with the church soon about equations and how they relate to God. And they're actually really powerful stuff. And For you math people out there, you're going to just love church. For those that are not mathematic, you're still going to love church. You can spout out these things and look smart, you know, uh, that he teaches you. But essentially, this is the equation I want you to do. D- d- the secret of joy equals the confidence in God. Now, maybe that's not the correct way to do mathematical equations, but I wanted to keep it simple. It's, it's more of a correlation. Your confidence in God really correlates to your joy level. It's not your circumstances. It's not a natural disposition. A lot of people go, well, that guy, he's always happy. Like, if I was more like Ignatius, man, I would be joyful all the time. But just because you smile doesn't mean you have joy. It's not about disposition. It's about your confidence in God. Here's my question to you. Do you really believe God's in control? Do you really believe that God has it under control? That he essentially is ruler and sovereign over everything that happens. Doesn't mean he causes it. Doesn't mean he's he's the reason it happened. But that he's aware of it. That's more what I want to talk about today. He's aware of it. And it doesn't intimidate him one bit. He is not like, oh no, Paul's in jail. What are we going to do, angels? Oh no, someone has a sickness. What are we going to do? Oh no. That's pretty intense. You know, this tragedy happened. This earthquake happened. Oh, no. What are we going to do? God is like, I know exactly what we're going to do. I already planned this out. Do you realize I already planned this out before I even created anything? I planned the Christ's coming before I even said, let there be light. You don't think I have this under control? I am God Almighty who knows every sparrow that landed in the last second in the world. I know how many hairs are in your head. I know exactly what you're going to say before you say it. I searched your heart so much, I know exactly what's in it, and you'll never ever discover what I know about your heart. Until heaven. I know every person that wants to attack someone right now. 
and I'm working to stop them. But it, even if they do, I know what I'm going to do when that happens. I have the exact person that's going to comfort them. I have the exact situations that's going to help them bring them to God. Right. I know this. I have this. I got the whole world in my hands. I love this. This is kind of what I'm thinking of. This picture really helped me out. You know, that, my little hand right there is with a big hand. The Father's hand. Yeah. And, and I, he's, he's got me in his hands. He has me. I don't need to worry. Amen. And therefore I can have joy. Amen. So no matter what circumstances happens, I know God's got it. God's got it. Amen? Amen. And I think deep down in your heart, you know this is true. He has proven himself, hasn't he? Think about it for a second. How has God proven himself? He has proven himself by sending Jesus to the cross for us. He has proven this by giving us the resurrection from the dead. It's interesting. Jesus said that it's better to go into life maimed than to go to the fires of hell, amen, yeah. with, with all your limbs together. Remember that? Yeah. It's kind of an intense passage. I read it to a brother this week, and I was like, wow, I didn't realize how intense that passage was. But what was amazing is that, this is what's kind of blew my mind with the whole thing. It's better to enter life as a maimed person. Life to Jesus was eternal life. Yeah. I don't know what this is to Jesus. I think this is life. I'm living. I got my, my heart's pumping. You know, this is, this is part of my life. This is certainly a part of your life. And we can live it with joy and contentment and, 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 and make an impact in this world and enjoy ourselves and laugh. But true life is afterlife yeah. to God. You know, it's almost like this. We could definitely say that Judah... And Ellie were living inside their mother's wombs. But when do we say they were born? It's when they're actually born. We don't say that, you know, when someone, Judah turns one, hey, he's one in ten months. He said he's one. Guys, we're like in the womb right now, waiting to be resurrected. And so we're alive, yeah, and you know, we're... You know, kicking around and stuff. But that's what we're doing right now. Not to say your life isn't amazing and it's awesome, amen? Amen. I want to live it to the full now. But real life comes later. And so in in God's mind, he's thinking infinitely. He's not thinking about your now right now. He cares about you. But you're you're thinking about now. Now. Tomorrow. Now. Tomorrow. God's like, come on, man. Life begins here. You know, life begins when, you, when I call your name up from the grave. Amen. And that's what Paul understood more than most men did. So we're going to read Philippians kind of through here. And I'm not going to go into too much because I think it's pretty clear. Paul's fired up. <laughs> and if you thought, you're like, where's this dude, man? Did he just baptize 5,000 people in one day? Sounds like it. He's really excited. Verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Another version says slaves of Christ Jesus. The New Living Translation says that. To all God's holy people in Christ Jesus and to Philippi, 
together with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. And all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Be confident of this. Here's his confidence in God that he, our God who began a good work in you, will carry it out. Not might, not hopefully, but will carry it out to completion to the day of Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart, whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel. All of you share in the grace, God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for you, all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depths of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. You know, this is the only letter, really, the epistles almost, that isn't dealing with a doctrinal, theological issue. And I think that's very significant. Because Paul just got a gift from Philippi, of the church in Philippians, that was basically a sum of money that they didn't have to give. Mm. Bible speaks about that in 2 Corinthians. And he says that, you know, the Macedonians gave even beyond their means. You know, and he was filled with joy when he got this gift, not because of the money itself, because he thought the hearts of the people are connected to the kingdom mm. and to our, our, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He was so fired up about that. He turned around and wrote this letter. And it's so cool because, you know, honestly, we don't deal with a lot of theological issues right now, right? For the most part. There's still theological issues. There's still false teachers, amen? But this is kind of like a letter for us right now. Because this is kind of normal spiritual life right now. A lot of the epistles we read are dealing with issues. I mean, if you go to Galatians, we're not dealing with the same issue that the Galatian church was dealing with. Amen? Yes. Can the brothers say amen for that? Amen. amen. We are dealing with issues of joy. You know, if, if there's one thing that America needs more than anything, it's joy. Amen. You know, the news doesn't help us with joy. Certainly, social media doesn't help us with joy. There's so much joy killers out there. Joy haters. Hate to hate for you to be joyful. You know, even when you're fired up, you're like, well, be careful. Something might happen. Something just happened in my life where it was like, this is awesome. I've been waiting for this. This is great. And then right away, someone fired back. Just be careful. This is what happened to me, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't even want to hear what happened to you. <laughs> Let me experience the, you know, that as well. You know, and, and I think they were doing another love. But again, it's like, man. Even when good things happen, well, be careful. You know, be careful. Joy killers. Paul had confidence in God. And that never changed with the circumstances. He says in verse 12, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Did you know that? 
Now, I don't know about you, but basically, I love this. With the scriptures, you know, you ever see wrestling? You know, the, the, the fake wrestling. Where, you know, they, the, the, the real wrestling maybe too. Where they're, oh no, he's going to get him pinned. He's, he's pinned. He's going to lose the match. And then somehow they reverse it. Even in real wrestling, it's amazing. Like, he's going he's gonna, to, he is going to lose. Then boom, he's on the mat. He wins. How did that happen? Just real quick. Didn't it happen in a millisecond? Such a quick second. This is what Paul did. He said, I'm going to take everything that happens and realize it's going to glorify God. I'm going to take everything that happens and realize that this is a positive, faith-filled thing that can happen in my life. Because of my confidence in God. See, this isn't just positive thinking. Because positive thinking says, I lost my job, but this is a good thing. It's great. I'm going to get a better job. And then two weeks goes later and you don't have a better job. It's great, you know. I haven't found the job. You know, we start getting superstitious. Well, you know, it's God. It's all God. God's trying to just help me to get there. And we can play these games, can't we? With our own minds. And eventually that gives out. Just keep keep it real. After like a couple weeks of that, positive thinking. Because you didn't put God in the equation. God really, I mean, we talk about God. But... Sometimes we're, we say his name, but we're not really saying his name. He's not a, his name isn't really weighty in our thoughts. I know this is what I do. Well, God's got it. You know, it's going to be okay, and I say that. But I have to ask myself, why does he have this? What if I never get a job? That's going to glorify God. That's the way Paul thought. That's the way Paul thought. And it's a little strange to us, isn't it? Yeah. I'm in jail. I can't preach the word. It's going to advance the gospel. <clears throat> now, he wasn't just this brainless person that didn't think he thought positive. He wasn't like Zig Ziglar times 50. You know what I mean? He wasn't a motivational speaker. In fact, there were times like, this is bad. There was times where he was not, he didn't sound like a, a motivational speaker. He was a preacher. He was a prophet. He was an apostle. Why did it advance God's gospel? Verse 13. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard, everyone else, that I'm in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. See, he realized, God, who is going to preach to these people? These Roman people. These Roman guards. Nobody is. I get that chance now to preach to these people, to speak to these people. But if he was thinking about himself and thinking about his problems, he would have never seen that. If he didn't have confidence in God, he couldn't see what God was trying to do. That by him not preaching as much as he could, it brought out more confidence in more people and therefore more people preached. And therefore the gospel advanced more. I want you to ask the question, your situation right now, the circumstances you're in, can advance the gospel. You've got to figure out, you've got to pray to your God, how is that possible? See, Paul figured it out, didn't he? But I just want you to say, it's always that way. 
in your life. If you think about your circumstances, good, bad, or ugly, there's some ugly out there, I know. How can it advance God's gospel? That's a question I want you to figure out. You figure that out, you're going to get joy. You're going to get great joy. You know, there are, there, are, there are women that have, unfortunately, they've been hurt, they've been taken advantage of. Right? We're not going to get into all that. But then they turn around and they help 25 other women heal and come to Christ through it. Amen. Wow. That bad thing, God turned good. God didn't want that to happen. But he took the bad thing, the thing that was going to take her out, like pin her to the mat, and then God reversed it. Amen. And he won and she won and brought glory to God. Amen. How can your situation, good, bad, or ugly, advance the gospel? That's what Paul thought about. That's what we need to think about. Verse 15, it is true some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they have stirred up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? I love this. He's surrendered. He's got such confidence in God, he can surrender. My goodness. We got to get there, church. Yeah. We can get there. Right. The, the important thing is that every way, whether false motives or true, Christ is preached. Amen. And because of that, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. He's got our theme down here pretty good. <laughs> for I know that through prayers and God's provision of spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out to my deliverance. I really expect and hope They'll no way be ashamed, but with sufficient courage, so as now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body. Now, as is always, Christ will be exalted in my body. He's got confidence that he's going to exalt Christ in his body, always, and in the future and in the present. He says, whether by life or by death, <laughs> talk about a surrendering guy. He's like, if I die, if I live, Christ is going to be exalted in my body. Amen. It's going to advance the gospel. For to me, to live is Christ, that compass, to die is gain. For I'm going on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I do? I don't know. He's like laughing. I don't even know. I'm torn between the two. He's like, you know, both are good options to him. Both are like, door number one or two? I don't know which door to choose. Good thing I don't have to choose it. Let God choose it for me. Amen. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Right. That's something to meditate on right now. Think about right now. Danielle, you know, there were times when, you know, Danielle and I would talk about this. Like, we're not ready to go yet because we have kids, but it would be better for us. You know, it would be so much better for us. Not that we're leaving anytime soon, God willing. But it, do, you, do you have that conviction? That actually, if you died earlier, it would be better. 
Paul had that conviction. God's got more to do with you, probably. Most of us, God's got a lot more to do. Amen? Amen. And that's a good thing. We need you. But it's better, by far, to go. But it's more necessary to remain in the body for you. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain. And I will continue with all of you for your progress and faith and joy and faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting of Christ will abound on account of me. We'll stop right there. I just want you to get a little taste today of what we're talking about. Of, of, of this amazing book, Philippians. With the thought of confidence in God is real. I want us to grow in our confidence in God. Amen. Really what this theme is about, I'm realizing it has to do with our confidence in God. More than rejoicing. You know, because I do think, I can't manufacture rejoice. Rejoice! I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it on my own. There's only so much. You ever get tired of smiling so much? Yeah. Your face gets tired? That's always a good feeling. It's actually exhausting sometimes. You're like, oh, you know, cramping up, you know? I mean, I've been with friends, and we've laughed so much. Next day, my jaw hurts. That's an awesome thing. I, I never felt that in the world. But even so, you can't keep the smile forever. And you can't fake it till you make it, however so long, you know? I'm going to be giving in church today. I'm going to be giving in church today. I'm going to be giving in church today. I'm going to smile. I'm going to be giving in church today. I'm going to smile. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. Great to see you. Great to see you. You're going to get tired of that. Maybe you already are. I'm with you. It is tiring to give like that. If you don't got no juice in the system, there's only so much your car can go on gas. Lenny had to pick me up one time. I was going to midweek. It's pretty embarrassing. Going to midweek. Got my lessons all ready. It's going to be great. I'm on that Casco Bay Bridge. I ran out of gas. I have to put my hazards on. And Lenny came to my rescue. With a tank of gas. And then I got to midweek, 25 minutes late. So it was so responsible of me. And I said to the church, what happened to me? No, I didn't say that. It really advanced the gospel. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But essentially, it was one of those situations where I think our joy runs out of gas. And we need to get filled up with the confidence of God. Real joy. And so I want you to just think about these passages. I want, to write, want you to write these passages down, if you can. Take a picture of it, whatever you want to do. And I want you just to meditate on these scriptures. Meditate on these scriptures this week. Meditate on them. These are the theme passages that I think are literally the most quoted passages ever. Look how many of them there are. Pretty cool book. Pretty special book. You know, usually... There's only a couple that are quoted in some chat, you know, like I don't see a lot of Ezekiel. It's like five maybe, right? But these passages are truly quoted in amazing ways. And I want to encourage us with the fact that write down these statements. What's happening to me can advance the gospel because. All right? 
That's this phrase I want you to think about. What's happening to me can advance the gospel because. All right? The second thing I want you to think about is this one. What does it matter? I love that one because I kind of like to be kind of like, whatever. I kind of, that, that, that connects to my kind of nature of, take it easy, it's going to be all right. You know? And basketball was like that. The point guard had to be, had his head on straight, you know? We're losing by 10. I'll be like, it's going to be all right. We're going to do this. We're going to win this game. You know? That's what Tom Brady did. He's, it's worked for him. We're going to win this game. This last time it didn't work. But again, we have to do that with God. What does it matter? And then you've got to add to that commentation. You can't just say, what does it matter? <laughs> I'm not going to deal with it. <laughs> but saying, hey, what does it matter? And see it through God's eyes. See, that's really what we need to do. See things through God's eyes. And if we, we focus on how great our God is and how much he's in control, our joy will, will have no bounds. Amen. We're, we're way too up and down, church. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen. I, I'm up and down. <laughs> Sometimes in the same day. How does that happen? You're like, hey, who? Hey, who? You know what I mean? Sometimes emails bring me great joy. Sometimes emails bring me great discouragement. Why is that? It's an email. Who cares? Right? But if I say, I'm just going to start answering people. What happened can advance the gospel because of this. You know? But for all of us, that's what we need to think about. Amen? Amen. We have great lives. We have blessed lives. And yes, gratitude is important. And we're going to talk about that in the, in the coming chapters. That's another secret of joy. Amen? Amen? But I think the ultimate powerful secret is confidence in God. Because, you know, sometimes there are some, it's hard to be grateful without confidence in God because it can feel like a big monster. These other things that you're grateful for are awesome, but this huge monster's there. The elephant's in the living room, and you got to get them out with God. Amen? Amen? Let's think about this. Where is your confidence with God out? How can you grow it? Because when you grow that confidence in God, your joy will grow. Amen. Amen. Amen.